Before we get into the episode, we want to let you know we are gathering another Attaching to God learning cohort. In it, you will escape your anxious jungles and avoiding deserts of faith and grow into secure attachment with God and with others. This is a one-of-a-kind six-week cohort combining recorded teachings and live cohort calls. So you can get all the details at embodiedfaith.life slash learning dash cohorts or see the show notes for details after the description. Welcome to the Embodied Faith Podcast. Today we're talking about or asking what is self-compassion? How is that different than self-esteem and why is it important? As always, my name is Jeff Holskla, and I'm joined today also by Sid Holskla, and this is the Embodied Faith Podcast that is seeking to integrate neuroscience, spirituality, and faith. And as always, we are brought to you by Grassroots Christianity, which is growing faith for everyday people. All right, so today we are introducing a new segment or new kind of episode, which is a reflection episode, and I'm bringing on Sid here to uh, join us. Hey, Sid, welcome to our first inaugural episode of Embodied Faith Reflections. Yes, it is great to be here. We've talked about this a lot. I'm glad we're finally doing it. Yes, and this is uh, kind of an episode format where you and I are just going to be talking about uh, different things that we find interesting or big ideas that we think are important as well, uh, which is different than other episodes where we interview people. And then you're actually going to be starting to uh, do some practice episodes uh, where we're just going to actually embody the faith and the things that we're talking about. So uh, today we're talking about self-compassion. I'm going to hand it off to you. Yeah. So this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because it's been really powerful in my own uh, journey of spiritual formation. And I just see it coming up so often uh, with the clients that I work with when I'm doing coaching and spiritual direction. There are just so many people and especially ministry leaders. It seems to really plague ministry leaders of this sense of, I can have so much compassion for other people, but somehow that compassion doesn't apply to me. So just as an example, um, I was just on a call with someone this morning and I want to talk later about how this shifted for him. But uh, as we were talking, he was just really being um, honest about how this situation feels so frustrating And he was frustrated with himself that he was having such a hard time sort of letting go um, of the desire to control or to fix or to try to make something happen. And was just, uh, and this is just sort of an indicator that I've heard so many times from other ministry leaders too, just that frustration with yourself or that sort of sense of like, I should be better at this, or I should be more mature than this, or I should be more Christian than this. My faith should be stronger than this. Um, and so that just sort of heaping that, that sort of shame or that, that being so hard on ourselves, um, and I have a cat in my background, but that that happens often for ministry leaders. And so it's just something that I've just been thinking about a lot lately because I find that in those sessions with me, with my clients, more and more often, um, we're really shifting towards trying to exercise self-compassion as a way of being able to receive compassion from God as well. Yeah, and that is, um, it's not true just for ministry leaders, but just kind of all people on there are walking. Yeah, everybody. I didn't mean to limit it. It's struggle with um, pernicious things of shame and things like that. 
Sure. Yeah. So oftentimes, and I'm going to jump ahead in our little notes there, but oftentimes the answer, uh, and if any of you who are watching live, you know, feel free to give comments or thumbs up about different things. But oftentimes, and this is the way I was raised, is um, in a culture of self-esteem. Is that the, the way to cure this kind of, you know, self-hatred or just kind of uh, ruminating and all the dumb things you did over your life uh, is to actually, you know, believe that, uh, you know, you're important, that you're special, learn how to love yourself. Um, maybe uh, like the clinical or kind of psychological definition of self-esteem is something like um, feeling competent in life uh, and feeling that others see you similarly, right? And so feeling, gathering these kind of competencies, but then also downplaying kind of your deficiencies uh, or downplaying uh, the places that have gone wrong in your life or oftentimes blaming others, uh, right? So there's a self-esteem kind of culture that kind of links in with blaming others. Uh, and so this has been a popular um, kind of movement within psychology, but as as well as our culture. Uh, and so oftentimes that's kind of how we're taught to respond. But there might be a different or a better way, which is this way of self-compassion. Well, I think, first of all, even just hearing you describe self-esteem, I think, you know, there's a lot of resistance just based on sort of how we understand life with God and and that sense of like, well, I can't just feel good about myself because I'm broken and I'm, I, I have all these places of sin in my life. And so just feeling good about myself doesn't feel like the answer because how can I feel good about the fact that I'm so broken? Right. And then people feel like, well, I have to either choose between believing or understanding my like a doctrine of sin, or I have to kind of, you know, take this kind of therapeutic advice and downplay sin. And then, so then it just creates all these different problems, which is not great. Yeah. So I'm handing it back to you. <laughs> okay. All right. So compassion, uh, you know, first of all, I just, um, you know, even just knowing what we know about our nervous systems and about our bodies and the way that they function, you know, part of the reason that self-compassion feels so crucial is because when we don't have compassion for ourselves, when we're sort of resisting ourselves or considering ourselves our own worst enemy, like, for example, um, I used to classically say, and Jeff would kind of tease me about it, but throughout the early years of our marriage, it was like I would lose my keys or I would lose something that I would, or my, my water glass or my cup of coffee. And I would walk all over the apartment or later the house and just go, where do, why am I always losing things? I drive myself crazy. Um, and just that sense of like, I drive myself crazy. I am my enemy. I am against myself. And that sort of tension that we sometimes feel with ourselves of like, good grief, like, why do I do these things actually raises the threat level response in our autonomic nervous system. And so our nervous system is sort of hearing this self-talk in our heads of like, what is wrong with me? Or I drive myself nuts. And that actually, whether we're aware of it or not, causes this response in our bodies, this physiological response of I'm under threat, like I'm being I'm being attacked or I'm being criticized. And who's doing that attacking or criticizing me like I'm doing it to myself. And so that just makes it harder to change or to do anything if we're just attacking ourselves in the process. So that's like where you're uh, and maybe traumatizing us too strong of a word, but we're, we're triggering ourselves. We're self-traumatizing. We're creating a negative spiral where we're following our, and our on and on a nervous system is kind of collapsing along with us and our thoughts and our bodies are all kind of going 
the wrong direction. Yeah. And we think we're being helpful. There's actually probably, you know, uh, there's like parts of us that earlier in our lives have been criticized in that same way, or maybe have, or, or we have this sense that if I criticize myself and we don't do this consciously, but if I criticize myself, then I can beat somebody else to the punch. Like if I've already criticized myself, then it won't hurt so bad when somebody else criticizes me. Mm, mm. Um, and that's sort Raise of like, Raise your hand well, if anyone does that, right? Let's criticize ourselves so that we know. And then we signal to everyone else, I know I suck, so I'm going to bring it up first, right? And this is like, yeah, ah, it falls. Yeah, so that's, yeah, you can't tell me anything I don't already know about yes. myself. Yeah. yeah. So the counter to that, um, that negative spiral would be something that you learned that this um, psychologist, Kristen... Neff has been describing as um, self-compassion. And so she starts off with a definition of compassion, which is um, compassion involves being touched by the suffering of others and uh, opening one's awareness to the pain of others and not avoiding or disconnecting from it. So that's something we could probably all grow in is being learning to be touched by the suffering of others and not avoiding or disconnecting from it. And then she says, and what we need to do is have self-compassion, which is learning how to be open to one's own suffering uh, or and then giving kindness toward yourself. And uh, the second part is also understanding um, that there's like a, an experience of common humanity in the midst of suffering. So there's kind of these two, two sides to it of being kind to yourself and connecting your experience as something that's common, which kind of goes against the self-esteem, which is you're all unique, you're all special, you know, be yourself. And part of self-compassion is, is like, well, actually, this is kind of the common lot of humanity. Okay, so that's some of these big kind of things. So what do you think, or do you have any comments about, Sid, uh, about these two things about being kind and the common experience of humanity? Well, I mean, about the common experience of humanity, I just know that, I mean, for so many of my clients, when I am able to sort of normalize, like, yeah, the thing that you're feeling, you're not the only one. Like, you're not alone in that. Just knowing that, I think, in that sense of this isn't, I'm not, I'm not alone in having this experience. Other people struggle with the same thing or other people have felt the same thing. Like, that's always, it always brings like a sigh of relief for people to be like, oh, you mean... I'm not as crazy and confused and, and broken as I thought I was like other people are there with me. Um, so that common experience of humanity can be really powerful. And then the kindness is just the, you know, we all know the difference of being treated kindly and being treated with, you know, rudeness or criticism or harshness. And we all know the difference of what that feels like. We'd much rather be treated kindly um, than be treated harshly. And yet, we're so often harsh with ourselves rather than kind. And again, that kindness can just sort of soften that threat level response as well. Yeah. And I think the thing that's the thing that's confusing though, I think is like, where do you find the entry point into compassion? So as you've been listening already to this, if you're like, yeah, that's me, I'm pretty harsh. I have a hard time being kind to myself. I don't really know how to give myself compassion. Um, there's been, you know, two ways that I think that have been really helpful for me and have also been really helpful for the people that I coach is that, you know, one way is, is um, thinking about the last time I felt compassion for someone else. Um, and just noticing like last time I was listening to somebody and I was sort of feeling with them and feeling kindness toward them and feeling like a leaning in and almost a desire to be able to help. Like if there was something I could do to alleviate your suffering, I would. Um, and just sort of feeling that 
and noticing what that feels like. And then saying, that is just a hint, just a shadow of what God feels for me. That as I'm in a place of difficulty or as I'm in a place of pain or struggle or even just frustration or suffering, like as I listen to people who are in that place, I feel compassion for them. And that compassion that I feel for them is just a tiny glimmer of the compassion that God has for me. And so if I can sort of tune into that, that's a way to enter into receiving compassion from God. And then the other way to enter into that is just, you know, reminding that, well, if God has compassion for me, and if other people have compassion for me, what is it like for me to feel compassion for myself? And the thing that's great about it is that you get the double benefit of like extending compassion is actually really good for your brain. It's good for your for your nervous system to extend compassion towards someone else. And then also it's really good for us to be able to receive compassion, receive attunement. And so when we're both extending compassion toward ourselves and receiving compassion for ourselves, we're getting the double benefit of both sides. Hmm. And that, you know, I, I mean, God wants to meet us exactly where we are. Like Jesus doesn't go around meeting people and saying, you should do better. You're, you're, you're terrible. You should do better. What's wrong with you? You know, it, Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he meets people right where they are, sees them where they are and, you know, has a, has a tenderness and a compassion toward them. And so when we can receive that kind of compassion and offer that compassion for ourselves, I think we're closer to understanding God's heart for us and being Mm -hmm. able to receive his tenderness and kindness. Yeah. And we're called to love God and love others uh, as we love ourselves. Uh, And kind of in the the self-esteem movement or kind of perspective that loving yourself is kind of like affirming yourself or believing the best in yourself and all these different kinds of things. And that's kind of like a, a weird, it, it seems like it's a good way, but it actually is kind of a weird way to think of love. But when, with this idea of self-compassion, that, that idea of loving God and loving others as you love yourself, it's like, well, you know, having compassion for others as you have compassion for yourself kind of opens up that space um, for what love might look like for one another um, that is less shame-filled, less uh, achievement-oriented. Um, yeah. So, and maybe this leads into the practice you're going to offer in our, in the next short episode. But sometimes we think that um, if I can grow in giving myself compassion, if I can grow in self-compassion, then I'll be able to receive compassion from God more. I'll be able to believe that God loves me. But it actually probably works the other way around, right? Is that as we grow in sensing and remembering and feeling that Jesus has compassion for us in our weakness, uh, then we can grow in self-compassion because we know neurologically that we're social beings. And so the things we learn usually come from outside and then go inside rather than us changing something inside. And then it affects us um, outside. And, and, and Paul talks about this, you know, when he talks about sin, he doesn't just say, and I think a lot of times uh, the people who struggle so much with self-compassion, they come from this certain kind of Calvinist reform tradition, which is sin is overt conscious rebellion against God. Like I was an enemy of God and yet um, God loved me or something like that. But Paul also talks about weakness is that when we were still weak, um, God came to us with love. Uh, And I think that weakness and remembering that God meets us in our own weakness um, is really important 
not just that like, oh, you're a be- terrible sinner because you rebel and you consciously are, you know, have it in and you want to be God instead. And well, maybe sometimes, but other times I'm just weak and stupid. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think I I have I know I struggled with that. You know, I used to live in that realm of there is nothing good that can ever come out of me and every thought that I ever have and every impulse and instinct that I ever have is all evil because of total depravity and I yeah, I don't want to go t- too much into that, but just that that the what the real turning point for me you know, was a prayer experience that I had where I remembered a moment where everybody around me was upset with me and angry with me and, you know, saying harsh words and sort of like, what were you thinking? Like, this is so ridiculous. Like, and there was a lot of um, harshness in that. And then in this prayer experience, Jesus kind of stepped right in front of all of that and just was able to offer like, wow, for the age you were at, that was such an intelligent choice that you made. Like you were doing the best you possibly could at this age. Like you're, that was, that was really wise for your little four-year-old self and receiving that kind of kindness and compassion sort of made me shift everything that I had thought about how Jesus comes to us in weakness rather than the sinners in the hands of the angry God kind of sense. But instead that the compassion for weakness, the compassion for the brokenness and the compassion for you, you think this is good for you, but it's really not. And I can do something better. I can do something so much more for you. And that's where the, that's where I started learning the compassion of God. And so I think, you know, as far as like having to learn compassion from God first, I think that probably really depends on what your view of God is and whether you're even able to comprehend a God who would be compassionate towards you. So sometimes maybe it does need to start with self-compassion and sort of thinking of the way that like, if everybody else around me is worthy of compassion, then what makes me so different that I'm not worthy of compassion, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any logical, rational sense. So if everyone around me, if I can have compassion for the people around me, then I can also have compassion for myself. And if my God image is not doesn't have room for compassion right now. Maybe that's where I need to start. Um, And then after showing myself compassion and trying to learn that I'm, I deserve compassion just like everyone else in my life. Then maybe after that for a little while, then maybe there begins to be, maybe God is also compassionate, but I know I learned it by receiving God's compassion first. And then if God has compassion for me, then I can probably learn to try to be compassionate toward myself. Excellent. Well, in the um, the next short episode, so Sid is a coach, but also a spiritual director and trained in spiritual formation uh, and regularly offers like practices and um, to her clients. And so you're going to be kind of walking us through a self-compassion um, practice uh, in the next episode. And then I think we have scheduled uh, another question, which is uh, about self-acceptance. Uh, so I don't know if you are ready to tease that for the future or if I'll just kind of throw that out there uh, right now. Yeah, I think just, you know, like there's a lot about self-acceptance out in the world, right? There's like all like Buddhist meditation and, you know, all kinds of stuff is like, you just, you know, be you, you be you, accept yourself as you are. And so I think that, you know, as believers and in the church, I think sometimes we can resist that and be allergic to that of just like, oh, I, I mm, like that's, that's not, that's Die not yourself. Take up your cross and follow right. me. 
Right. But in, but I, but there is something really powerful that happens when we're able to align ourselves with reality. Like this is mm-hmm. the reality that I live in right now. This just is. And as long as I keep resisting or fighting against what is, again, that's that threat level response that happens in our bodies. And so when we can, you know, the only place that we can really be is in the here and now in the reality that. All right. Exists. Well, don't give the whole show okay, away. Anyway, that's, that's just what, that's a tease. I got to. So Sid will be joining us. Uh, she's going to be joining uh, the Embodied Faith podcast regularly. So we're really excited about that. Uh, joining with the the interviews as well as these reflections and practices, but I still have to train her in the art of the tease of the next episode. So thank well, you. We for need every- to, we need to we need to work on like the, it's really weird to not be in the same room. I feel like I'm still talking to you, but it'd be different when we're having a conversation together. So I know. we'll make it more conversational over time too. And we we might figure out the equipment and figure out a way to be in the same room. <laughs> so, but um, for all of you listening and watching. Uh, you can please like and subscribe uh, these videos on YouTube if you're watching there, as well as you can find the Embodied Faith podcast anywhere that you get uh, podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google, all the other places. So please do that and share this around. We would really appreciate it. And well, we will be talking to all of you soon. Mm-hmm.